Welcome to another episode of Gospel Eyes with Greg Steer. My name is Jason Lamb. On behalf of the Dare to Share team, we're so grateful that you are tuning in and joining us for this episode. Thank you as well for all the buzz on social media, the, the ratings, the reviews, the fact that you're sharing with your friends. Uh, we continue to grow the community around the podcast, and we're grateful for your support and help in doing that. This month, Greg continues our series through the seven values of how to build a gospel advancing ministry. This month, we're focusing on value number five, a bold vision focuses it. I wanna remind you before we kick it to Greg, take time to go to gregsteer.org, download the e-resources that are made available for each episode. There's a listening guide for you to follow along as Greg teaches us. There's a discussion guide for you and your team so that after you've listened, you can discuss and figure out how do we apply these principles to our ministry. And then there's Greg's transcript, his notes in an editable format so that you can take it and tweak it and then train it and teach it yourself. Don't forget to go to gregsteer.org to get those resources. With that, here's my friend, Greg Steer. How do you build a gospel advancing ministry? We've gone through the first four values. Today we talk about the fifth, and that is a bold vision focuses it. If you want to build an effective ministry that advances the gospel, you need a bold vision as a youth leader. You know, just yesterday I was training a national ministry in the seven values of a gospel advancing ministry. I was there with all their staff and we got to value number five, a bold vision. I just asked the question, what is your bold vision as a ministry? And there was silence. And finally, one person quoted a verse. I'm like, that's good. <laughs> that's Jesus's bold vision. What's your bold vision as a ministry? And somebody quoted a goal, and I'm like, that's a goal. That's great. But what's your bold vision? And they thought about it, and to their credit, they said, you know what? We're going to have to sit down and really take a look as an organization. What is our big, bold vision that keeps us going? Now, if that can happen with a national ministry, it can happen with a youth group. That we get so busy doing stuff, running from meeting to meeting, game to game, lesson to lesson, retreat to conferences to camps, that we miss out on the bigger, bolder vision. And without that vision in front of us, we oftentimes miss the pathway to get there. So I want to talk to you today about what that bold vision should be. And, you know, in a lot of ways, when you think about this bold vision, it's kind of like... Google Maps, you know, you put your address in where you want to go, that destination where you want to go, and then Google Maps gives you the fastest, uh, safest route to get to your destination. The challenge is sometimes uh, with the Father, we, we get that bold vision from Him. He doesn't take us on the fastest route. Oftentimes, He takes us on the hardest route because He wants to do that work in us as He does that work through us, but he wants us to accomplish that bold vision that he has in his heart for our ministry. So I'm going to be asking you to really pray about what is our bold vision as a youth group. And as we talk about this, uh, we need to be reminded that perhaps there was no bigger or bolder vision ever given than the vision of Jesus himself in his last words to his disciples before he ascended into heaven in Acts 1.8. He said this to his disciples, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, 
and to the ends of the earth. And then he ascended into a cloud and into heaven. I mean, could you imagine that moment? Like, oh, he's leaving now. You know, goodbye. And what are our marching orders? Right before he leaves, he gives his final challenge and mandate. Here's this big, bold vision. So I'm going to sum it up a little bit differently. A bold vision to reach the lost starts in our hearts, spreads to the streets, and ends up at the ends of the earth. That's really what Acts 1.8 is saying. A bold vision to reach the lost starts in our hearts, spreads to the streets, and ends up at the ends of the earth. So I want you to be thinking and praying about a bold vision that does just that. So let's kind of break that down. And let's think a little bit about this bold vision that Jesus gave to his disciples. You know, Jesus said, you're going to receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, he's going to come to dwell inside of you and he's going to empower you for this bold vision. That is exactly what happened in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost, the tongues of fire. He uh, set on the disciples. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. They began, their tongues were set ablaze with the gospel. They began to proclaim the gospel of Christ. And it again, it started in their hearts, spread to the streets, and ended up at the ends of the earth. So let's break this down a little bit and apply it to our youth ministry setting. A bold vision begins in our hearts with the Holy Spirit. You know, the moment you put your faith in Christ, according to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 and 14, the Holy Spirit came to dwell inside you, in your heart. The Holy Spirit, third person of the Trinity, God himself, is dwelling inside of you. That's where that bold vision begins, with the Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit gives us power to proclaim the message of Jesus Christ. Again, Acts 1.8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. I think oftentimes we underestimate the power that's available to us. We often think that the power is in our budget or how many staff that we have or how many kids are coming to our youth group. Listen, the power, all the power we need is in the person of the Holy Spirit. If you've ever read about atom bombs and nuclear bombs, it's very, very interesting. You know, atom bombs and nuclear bombs, I'm sure you've seen old videos of them exploding. They just have this massive power this energy that is released, and it comes from either nuclear fission or nuclear fusion. Nuclear fission is the breaking apart of atoms. It's a chain reaction, and all that energy is released. And nuclear fusion is kind of the merging, the fusing together of atoms. And again, all this energy is released. But as powerful as nuclear fission and fusion can be, it's nothing compared to the power of the Holy Spirit. Whereas atom bombs destroy lives, the Holy Spirit regenerates. Whereas nuclear bombs trigger devastation, the Holy Spirit triggers recreation. So the power of the Holy Spirit is to change lives. And that explosive power, you know that Greek word for power, comes from the word dunamis in the Greek. It literally is where we get our English word dynamite. It's explosive power. The explosive power of the Holy Spirit gives us that power to 
proclaim. So you as a youth leader may feel like, man, I don't, I don't think I really have what it takes. I don't have the gift of evangelism. Listen, you don't need the gift of evangelism. You have the ultimate <laughs> explosive power in your soul to proclaim that message. Think of that shy seventh grade girl in your youth group that you think, man, there's no way she could ever do this. Listen, if she's put her faith in Christ, she's got the explosive power of the Holy Spirit available to her to proclaim. So the Holy Spirit gives us that power to proclaim. The Holy Spirit gives us prompts to proclaim. John 15, 26 and 27, when the Advocate, Holy Spirit, comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. Holy Spirit's always testifying about Jesus. Look at this, the next verse, and you must also testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. And I think the correlation is this. You must testify because the Holy Spirit in you is prompting you to testify. The Holy Spirit wants to testify about Jesus through your lips and through the lips of your students. And the way he does that, he prompts us. It's like getting a notification on your phone. You ever get that ding? You're like, oh man, I think the Lord wants to, the Holy Spirit wants me to talk to that person. A couple weeks ago, we were at a staff party uh, at an Italian restaurant, and we got the notification. My wife and I, our, our server, her name was Caitlin, you know, got that ding, you know, okay, we need to, we need to tell her about, about Jesus. And, and I, began, I began a conversation with Caitlin and, and asked how we could pray for her and took her through our Life in Six Words app, and my wife and I were talking to her about her life, and she had a really uh, big struggle. She had just been released from prison for stabbing somebody in the neck. I'm thinking to myself, I'm going to tip her well just in case, you know, just in case. So I'm listening to her story. My wife's listening to her story. We take her through the gospel. We take her through the app. And in that moment, man, she put her, put her faith in Christ. She trusted in Jesus Christ. Texted my wife the next day and said, last night totally changed my life. And it all started with, a, with that, you know, that thing, you know, that notification from the Holy Spirit inside of us. And we need to be sensitive. You know, so many times it's easy for us to put the Holy Spirit on silent mode. Because we don't want, we don't want to be disturbed. Do not disturb. I'm too busy with my life. We need to help our kids be fully aware of when the Holy Spirit is notifying them to open their mouth and share the gospel. The Holy Spirit prompts us to proclaim. And the Holy Spirit gives us plans to proclaim. It's interesting in John 15, 26 and John 16, 7, uh, Jesus refers to the promised Holy Spirit as in a different ways. Comforter, advocate, helper, counselor, depending on which translation you're reading. I think another translation could be coach. Because the Holy Spirit is not just prompting us. The Holy Spirit is coaching us, helping us know how to articulate that message, and also helping us know how to develop a plan to get our students to articulate that message. I'm convinced that God has a fully customized, bold vision for you and your youth group to advance the gospel in your community. The question is, are you willing to do what it takes to figure out what that is? The writer of Hebrews, Hebrews 12.1, says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Listen to this. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. 
You have a race marked out for you. I have a race marked out for me. You know, I have sometimes have, have uh, youth leaders tell me, man, I wish I could do what you do. I go, you know what? I'm doing what God has called me to do. I'm standing a post God gave me to stand. I'm running the race God gave me to run. You have the same job. You got to run the race God gave you to run. You got to stand the post God gave you to stand. And I'm convinced that your youth group, that God has a vision for your youth group that you have to figure out what is that vision. I'll give you just an example. Our bold vision at Dare to Share is this. Every teen, everywhere, hearing the gospel from a friend. Now that's a big, bold vision, right? One billion teenagers-ish worldwide. Largest generation of young people in the history of the planet. One billion teens. That's our vision. But you know that big, bold vision is out in front of us, and it keeps us going. It keeps us moving. When we're discouraged because the finances are coming in or some event didn't work out or some, there's some glitch in the technology, we keep that vision out in front of us. Every teen, everywhere, hearing the gospel from a friend. We're going to keep moving till we get that, that done. What is your piece of that, God's, that vision of every teen, everywhere, hearing the gospel from a friend? See, there are streets and schools, I believe, marked out for you and your youth group. Think about it this way. I mean, if you think of the map, you know, think of the entire globe, the world, and then you think of the, maybe the United States, and then maybe you think of your state or your community or maybe in a different country, you're thinking of your province or whatever. You tear off that little, what is, the, what is that piece of the map that, that's ready for you? What is, that, what is that piece of the map marked out for you? I think it'd be a great exercise to just drive around your community and say, where, God? Which schools? What streets, the north, south, east, west? What is my turf? What is my bold vision? You know, where's that, where's that playground? Some people call that. You know, where's that workspace? Where's that square that I'm going to be working from? That I want every teen to have every last chance to put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Another verse that's a good reminder is 1 Corinthians 9, 23 and 24, where Paul writes, I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. So don't just tear off a piece of that map. Don't just get that bold vision. Go for it. I mean, you ask us a dare to share. We are deadly serious about every teen everywhere hearing the gospel from a friend. We want, it's not just aspirational, we want to get it actually accomplished. And we understand that we can't do it alone, so we have to recruit others and train others like you to be able to mobilize your community and this and that. We're working with partners across the world, and God is bringing some amazing things about because we believe, we claim that bold vision and faith. It was not easy, by the way. It's taken us years and years and years to refine that bold vision to what it is today. So I want to challenge you to begin that process and be bold. Run in such a way as to get the prize. Don't just have a bold vision. Go for it. Go for it. I believe God has called you and I to do great things for his greater glory. And we, that means we need, we need to go for it. You must seek out your bold vision in prayer, beginning to make your plans to accomplish it, and then adjust both along the way. So seek out that bold vision in prayer and then make, begin to make those plans to accomplish it in prayer and then adjust both the vision and the plans along the way. I'll give you an example. Jesus. Try topping that. All right, that's a pretty good example. Jesus. 
he most likely forged his plans in the wilderness. You know, the 40 days of the wilderness experience where he was fasting and praying and tempted of the devil, uh, Matthew 4, 1 through 3, then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After four, fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him. That's when Satan came to him. So what was happening during the rest of the 40 days, right, before the tempter came to him? Dan Spader founder of Sun Life, expert on the life and ministry of Jesus, he surmises that it was in the wilderness where Jesus was not only tempted by the devil, but was guided by the Holy Spirit to discover the Father's bold vision for him. Because right after that, he leaves the wilderness and he hits the ground running in Galilee. If you look at Luke 4, 14, and 15, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit and news about him spread throughout the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues and everyone praised him. So it seems as though, I mean, he's baptized, you know, uh, in the water. He's baptized. The Holy Spirit descends upon him. The Father said, this is my son whom I love. Uh, With him I'm well pleased. He goes in the wilderness for 40 days. He figures out his plan. He's tempted by the devil. He's unleashed, and he starts preaching the gospel. He starts carrying out that bold vision of the Father that was revealed in the wilderness, right? And those plans that were revealed in the wilderness, and he starts doing it right then. Sometimes we need an extended time away to discover that bold vision. You know, one of the things that we have discovered is uh, we do a weekly, I mean, an annual week-long training called Lead the Cause. And Lead the Cause is like our Navy SEALs boot camp for student leaders and youth leaders. And we knew, by God's grace, it would impact student leaders. What we were surprised at is how deeply it impacted the youth leaders and many youth leaders look at Lead the Cause as they're weak away to pray, to listen, to wrestle, and to figure out that bold vision for their ministry for the next 12 months. I think of John Cronister. He walked out of uh, Lead the Cause with a bold vision that really was not just him, but his students. They wanted to have 532 gospel conversations, which seems like a random number, but I'm sure there's some thinking behind it. 25% new conversion growth, 50% of those kids moving toward uh, discipleship. So again, there's every tons of leaders have tons of different versions of their own bold vision for the year. But I really want to encourage you to consider checking out Lead the Cause. You can just go to leadthecause.org, find out more information about that. Uh, But also just get away and pray and think and wrestle. Lord, what is that bold vision? So Jesus got that bold vision and those plans in the wilderness, but Jesus adjusted his plans along the way. Luke 5.16, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. So Jesus is often leaving Um, the ministry scene to get away to pray. And I'm sure he's praying for his disciples. He's praying for the lost. He's praying for wisdom. But I guarantee you one of the things he was praying about is, Lord, what what is my my next step? You read in John 5, he says, I don't do anything unless I see the Father doing it. Well, where did he see the Father doing it? It was in his times of prayer that he was able to relate to the Father and kind of see what God's plan was for him and the ministry. And those plans were adjusted along the way, I'm sure, and that's what we have to do. We don't, Usually, we're not like Moses coming down with the Ten Commandments from the mouth. Well, here's our fully formed, uh, bold vision and plans. Here you go. Just follow this for the rest of your lives. It's fine. Usually with us, we're figuring it out as we go and as we grow. We may get that initial bold vision, but God clarifies it along the way. Think of it like a 
It's like a wartime situation. If you've ever uh, heard about war, you know, everybody's got their plans for warfare, their plans of attack. But somebody once said that the best battle plans fall apart when the bayonet hits the bone, right? So you can have the best battle plan in the world, but then once it begins, everything starts to change. You know the same thing's true in ministry. You have these bold visions. You try to implement. Things fall apart. You have to improvise, adapt, and overcome. You need to get away with the Father and figure out that bold vision and the plans to execute it. So this is not an easy process, but it is a necessary process that will help build your faith and will help really build a strong, bold vision. So... Uh, if you feel like you're running around in circles, this is the, you feel like you're too busy to get away to pray, then that means you need to stop what you're doing right now and get away to pray uh, because you're going in the wrong direction without God the Father's direction through his Holy Spirit. Secondly, a bold vision. Okay, it starts in our hearts, right? Then a bold vision spreads across the street. Acts 1.8, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria. So basically, what Jesus is telling his disciples, it's going to start with the Holy Spirit coming inside you, starting your heart, and then it's going to go across the street, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. It's going to expand outwardly from where you're at. For our students, what is that? Well, our teens, I, I would say they're Jerusalem, probably their most immediate circles of influence, their closest friends, their friends they hang out with most consistently, the teens they interact online with most consistently. Uh, you know, probably the ones they mo mostly engage with on social media, uh, they, they talk to at school. It's their, it's their circle of friends. You want, they, that's where they're going to start. And, man, one of the things I love is that we have a privilege as a ministry at Dare to Share of providing not just inspiration to youth leaders and teenagers, but tools to get it done. So one of those tools is an app called Life in Six Words. And it's the numeric six. So if you've not downloaded Life in Six Words, go to your app store, go to Google Play, go to the app store and download it right now. Life in Six Words. Download it. It's got a tutorial on how to use it. But what's kind of cool about the app, uh, it's free. That's cool because you can't charge for a gospel app. You know, salvation's free, but this will cost you 99 cents. No, we're not doing that. It's a free app, right? Um, and when you start a conversation with this app, 14 words uh, pop up, different words like uh, family, uh, meaningless, uh, job, adventure, um, relationships, God, um, hopelessness, different words like that, 14 different words. And then you just have them, hey, if, if you were to describe your life in six words, what would they be? So a teenager talking to their friend, they'd have their friend choose six of those words, and then they push next and they ask, tell me why you chose those words. And it's so interesting to me. I've used this app probably a couple hundred times. I've never been turned down. Everybody wants to engage for whatever reason. I think it's because the six words, you know, what six words would describe my life is just a great hook for a conversation. And then after that, you say, can I share my six words that they have pre-programmed into the app, which is kind of cool because your teenagers can have their picture in the app and they can share their story and their journey with Jesus via those six words. And then they can begin to explain the gospel, G-O-S-P-E-L. We have a slide for each. G, God created us to be with him. O, our sins separate us from God. S, sins cannot be removed by good deeds. P, paying the price for sin. Jesus died and rose again. E, everyone who trusts in him alone has eternal life. And L, life with Jesus starts now and lasts forever. By the way, let me just put it on pause. 
If you've never understood that message that God loves you, but we've been separated by sin and good deeds don't don't bridge the gap between us and God, religion just doesn't cut it, but Christ died in our place for our sins and rose again, and simply by putting our faith and trust in Jesus, we receive this life that begins now and lasts into eternity. If you've never put your faith in Christ right where you're at, put your faith in Jesus, trust in him. Receive that gift of eternal life. And that's the exact same thing your students will be asking their friends. Will you trust in Jesus? And then there's a button. They can say, yes, I'm ready, or I'm not ready yet. If they push, yes, I'm ready, water comes out from the app and baptizes them. It's a miracle. No, it doesn't happen. But that would be kind of cool. Anyway, um, they can send them their six words with a verse from Scripture from each of those words and then follow-up material. Uh, and then beyond that, uh, in this app, there's a uh, place where your students can put the names of their friends that don't know Christ, that they're praying for, caring for, and sharing the gospel with. We call that a cause circle. They can also have faith-sharing groups where your whole youth group can be a faith-sharing group, you know, and Dare to Share staff. We're a faith-sharing group. We, we know that collectively we're working on 99 people we're praying for, caring for, and sharing the gospel with, uh, 28 active gospel conversations happening. And so it's just a way to keep each other encouraged. And I really encourage you, make use of the Life in Six Words app. It's a simple, free tool for you and your students. So they can begin to reach their Jerusalem, right? Their immediate circle of friends. So our teens also have an extended circle of friends. Maybe this is their, um, kind of their Samaria, right? Um, they, they need to look at their school, uh, all the students that go at their school as, as potential people to engage with. Matter of fact, I think they need to look at their schools, especially if they're at a, a public school, as their mission field. Um, that, that they're missionaries to this lost generation. Uh, and then when they walk the hallways, that they see people with the eyes of Jesus and a broken heart. We need to really help them see their school as a mission field. And we must help them develop uh, a reach your school strategy. Do, you, do each of your students have a reach your school strategy, a plan to spread the gospel uh, with their friends and their classmates and their teammates um, and you may be thinking, well, I don't know how to get that going. There's a couple things uh, that will help you. Everyschool.com, great, great website, lots of tools and resources, how to start a campus group, uh, videos and trainings, and just check it out, everyschool.com. Also, there's a great uh, app, a Claim Your Campus uh, app that you can uh, download that your students uh, can, can use as well. Uh, there's a lot of ministries available uh, that can help Campus Life, Fellowship of Christian Athletes, FCA, Young Life, First Priority. I just encourage you to pick a campus strategy to focus on and get started. Uh, so just be praying about that. Okay? That's part of getting outside of our four walls. If all of our youth ministry efforts are within our four walls, we're never going to really reach the kids even within our four walls because we need to give them a heart and the tools to reach the students outside the four walls because that's when they're going to start getting the heart of Jesus until they get out of those walls and share Christ. One of the best places to start is, maybe the best place to start, is their school campus. Our teens expanded circles of influence. Strangers. I, you know, I think it's good to give teenagers a chance to get out of their comfort zone and share the gospel in a loving way with strangers. We do this at Dare to Share. We do conferences, we do Lead the Cause, we do Dare to Share Live, 
and we always have teenagers get out um, and lovingly begin gospel conversations. Some of them use the Life in Six Words app. Some of them just ask, how can I pray for you? But we have them engaging in these conversations. And what it does is it, number one, the gospel, uh, I believe even to a stranger can be given in a relational way. But the power of the transformation that happens in teenagers to give them confidence to talk to their own friends. I remember when I was a teenager, I was a junior in high school, uh, had a ministry called Quest, which basically we met on Friday nights. uh, And a bunch of us that were friends that knew from youth group would go to local shopping malls and parks and we would meet beforehand. We would pray. We would train the ones that didn't know how to share their faith. We'd go out in groups of two or three. Uh, we made sure we were in, you know, pretty safe places, but had gospel conversations, try to get names and numbers to follow people back up and invite teenagers out to youth group. We'd come back and share stories, and we'd pray for those that we talked to. And, man, I tell you, it was, it was awesome because it gave everyone who came to Quest a greater degree of confidence to share Christ with their circle of influence that they were at school with every single day. And we saw some radical transformations just talking to people uh, on the street, and it was awesome. So maybe, you know, consider taking out your teens once a month uh, to share their faith uh, with strangers. And finally, a bold vision ends up at the ends of the earth. You will be my witnesses, dot, 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 to the ends of the earth. Starts in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, extends to the ends of the earth. I think you should give every one of your teenagers at least one opportunity to go on a gospel-advancing mission trip. In other words, a mission trip where the gospel is verbally articulated. I took my son when he was 10 years old to Columbia, and it was so powerful for him to see real developing world poverty uh, and real gospel transformation in the lives of so many people there that were so poor but so joy-filled because the gospel had invaded their lives. And to give Jeremy those opportunities to articulate his faith in that setting, uh, it was a game changer. And I think all of our teenagers need to at least have one experience like that. So this bold vision, it starts in our hearts from the Holy Spirit, gives us the power and the promptings and the plan to proclaim. Then then we develop that as we get away with the Father and we, we pray through and think through and fight through what is that bold vision, what are those plans. We continue to develop it as we go back to Him in prayer. We improvise, adapt, and overcome. And our students take it to their campus. They take it to their friends. They take it to strangers, and they take it to the ends of the earth. And when you begin to do this, this bold vision really changes the trajectory of youth ministry. Have you ever wondered... Why your teens may be so narcissistic and self-centered? Maybe it's because all we do is talk about them and their needs and their hurts. And I believe we need to talk about, to them about their needs and their hurts. But there's something transformative when a teenager gets a heart for the lost. Not only are the lost transformed, it's cathartic in the heart of the teenager because they stop thinking as much about themselves and they see a great harvest that needs the gospel of Jesus Christ. They get that bold vision that God has put before them. Talk about a teenager with a bold vision. In the 15th century, France, during a horrible time in history, France was just recovering from being devastated from the Black Plague, is being devastated by the Hundred Year War between England and France. The economy of France was a mess. 
There was a struggle about who would be the next leader. That's when Joan of Arc, only 13 years old at the time, claimed that she had started to hear these unearthly voices that, that called her to set Charles VII on the throne of France and to begin to set the country in a trajectory that would free the French from English tyranny. 13-year-old girl claims she gets a vision from God. She's a just a regular teenage girl, kind of poor, nothing special about her, except for she knows in her heart she had a bold vision from God to get Charles VII on the throne of France so that France could be its own country. She was so convinced of it, word started spreading. She was invited to a meeting of the nobles and to meet Charles VII, but he disguised himself. She went right up to him, had no idea what he looked like, went right up to him and began to address him as Charles. And everybody thought, oh my goodness, maybe this girl does have a bold vision from God to set Charles VII uh, on the throne. She talked him into, as a teenager, joining the army of the French to fight against the English. And he said, yes, I think she was like 16 or 17 years old at the time. She went, you know, the French soldiers at the time were kind of nervous and they were tentative. She was fearless. She was strategic. She led the way. Matter of fact, at one point, she was shot by an arrow. She went back. They had the arrow removed. She said, have it bandaged. And she went back to fight. And when the French saw her courage, they were inspired to fight. And they won that battle. They won battle after battle after battle, all inspired by one teenage girl with a bold vision that she knew was from God. Matter of fact, when she was burned at the stake by the English, she was captured, burned at the stake. She asked two priests to hold up a cross above the flames because she said, I want to look at the cross as I die in these flames. Now, did she really hear from God about setting Charles VII as the, the king of England? I have no idea. But I do know this. One teenager with a bold vision that they're convinced it's from God, can become an unstoppable force. One youth leader who's got a bold vision, who's convinced it's from God, can become an unstoppable force for the kingdom. So get your bold vision and go for it. Let me pray for you. Father, give us boldness to identify that bold vision in prayer and give us the plans to execute it and we know we have the power that we need, the explosive power of the Holy Spirit to give us the, the energy to see it done. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, Greg. My name is Carrie, and this is... Jason. And we're here to share with you some takeaways, tips, and tools based on all that great stuff that Greg just shared with you. You know, one of the things that really stood out to me, kind of a big takeaway, was when Greg said, you know, we have this tendency to put the Holy Spirit kind of on silent mode. Mm. And I think it really is because youth leaders, let's be honest, we get so busy, right? I mean, it's just that churn of one thing after another thing after another thing. And so it's just really easy to kind of run at such a, such a fast pace that we, we yeah. kind of miss that voice. You yeah, know? whether we put them on silent or we're just going so fast that we ignore or just fail to pay attention, we, we all need to breathe a little bit and be reminded of who called yeah. us into ministry 
what he called us to do and, Definitely. and the Holy Spirit guides us along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, yeah. the takeaway for me, Greg really hit on the fact that uh, the campus is that primary mission field for students. When you think of over 90 or 95 percent of teenagers in America go to middle school or high school, mm-hmm. we know just innately they spend most of their time there. But I was on a, a call with um, ministry, uh, campus ministry leaders, yeah. and one of the guys had done the math and it kind of irked me because I'm a numbers guy and somebody beat me <laughs> to the math. They beat you. Oh, man. But he had done the math that a student from sixth grade through 12th grade based on a seven hour school day and 180 days a year of school they spend 9,000 hours on campus that's mind-blowing and so when you start adding clubs and sports team and extracurriculars our students in our youth ministries spend 10 to 12,000 hours of their life on a middle school or high school campus the amount of opportunity to engage their friends, to pray for them, care for them, and share the gospel with them is extraordinary. And as we think through a bold vision for our students, the opportunity is there. We just need to focus into that vision to release them to take advantage of the 10, 11, 12,000 hours. Yeah, definitely. Youth leaders, man, we encourage you. Really, try to find a way to get involved in the campus somehow. I know. Again, like we were saying, you're busy. We get it. But it's so important when you think it through that way with the hours. Hey, another thing that you might want to consider is along the lines of school is taking a a prayer walk around your local schools or Mm -hmm. or a prayer drive, like like Greg suggested, to kind of like really just lean into the Holy Spirit and ask, like, what is my turf? What is the area that you want me to really lean into, focus on reaching with the good news of the gospel and, and just really press into God and like, what is the vision that you've given me to, yeah, to kind of accomplish? Look here, at and visualize right? the school that your students go to or the neighborhoods you live in and understand that turf. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And once you get that vision, share it with your students a lot, right? Because <laughs> it's their vision too, right? It, they're a part of it and you can't accomplish it on your own. Share it with your leaders and, you know, put a visual up in your youth room if you can in any way to kind of just remind your students and your leaders consistently and constantly like what you're striving for, what God has told you is the plan for you guys to accomplish together to reach others with the great news of the gospel. And, you know, you Absolutely. can do that through maps, through numbers, through different, you know, cutouts, words, whatever that looks like for you. We've seen so many youth leaders do that and it's super super powerful yeah we've got youth leaders who take pictures of those campuses and have them up in their youth room so their kids are constantly reminded of that mission field yeah and they can see the progress absolutely the number of Mm -hmm. lost teens in their community so they know that bold vision of this is where we're going this is what this is all about Uh, a couple of tips that we want to reinforce for you greg mentioned everyschool.com if you are a youth leader if you have a mind for campus ministry you want to build that bold vision for your students check out everyschool.com you can actually adopt the middle schools and high schools that your students are at. You can see progress of who's being prayed for, cared for, and shared with on those campuses. And and the goal is there's over 67,000 middle school and high school campuses in the United States. We want to see every single one of those schools have a gospel expression on them. So check out everyschool.com. There's maps that populate to show you what schools have adopted, still need support. There's idea and resource sharing there. It's a phenomenal tool that take a couple minutes, everyschool.com. Greg also shared about lead the cause. And I really want to press in youth leaders. As we like to say, leaders of youth, uh, lead the cause may be the most extraordinarily week-long experience that you and your students can go through together. And in light of creating a bold vision as a ministry and then putting a plan into place, your students and youth through the entire week will be trained in prayer, care, share, 
have outreach experience around those three themes. And then you as the youth leader, alongside other youth leaders from around the nation through the, during our youth leader sessions in the morning, will build your bold vision. You'll build out a strategic action plan. You'll learn from other youth leaders who have been doing this for a few years now. And you'll come out of Lead the Cause with a vision for your ministry, a 12-month plan that you and your students can execute, and the adult leaders and students that are there at Lead the Cause with you will leave that week owning it with you. So you've exactly. already got a mini army yeah. Yeah. within your youth group that's yeah. like, yes, let's go. Let's take our campuses. Yeah. Let's reach the lost. Let's do it together. And so check it out, leadthecause.org. Let us know you're interested, but youth leaders, if you are looking to turn the corner, we know you love Jesus. We know you love your students. You're looking to turn the corner and say, I want this to be a gospel-advancing ministry. I want my students equipped and deployed on their campuses. We look forward to seeing you at Lead the Cause this summer. Absolutely. Don't miss it. We want to see you there.